Pickaxe. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, and welcome back to the Review of Death, wow. your fortnightly Doctor Who podcast for news, reviews, and all that jazz. Wow. Slightly different intro this week, but that's how we roll on this show. Uh, we do whatever we want, man. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm Matt Toffolo. He is. This is Billy Garrett John. I are. We're going to be chatting about a Peter Davison story. Oh. Oh no! I knew it! I knew it before I could. Well, I mean, you messaged me and Just said. Say, say the episode title Frontius. Oh. Oh. So, oh, okay. Presumptuous. I was. Okay. <laughs> but we'll get into it. You know, there's a bit of. But there's a lot of. Oh. Yeah. We'll get into okay. it. Okay. Interesting. Um, we need to talk about Shaft. <laughs> yes, yes. The uh, 14th <laughs> Doctor has a great costume. Yeah. Um, so, the way I saw it, it's brown, it's yeah. long, it's got big collars, <laughs> it's leather, it's the ninth doctor that fused with the tenth doctor, yes. um, basically. Yeah, um, Le- leather tenth doctor. Yeah. Have you got any other ideas, Russell? We'd love to see him. Uh, but it looks really good. It does look really good. I prefer it to the mm. other costume, because mm. I think it just... It's broken up a bit more because you've got the brown coat, you've got the yeah. different type of shirt, you've got darker trousers, he's got a pair of trainers on. I was going to say, they I don't wonder really if work, that I don't footwear think. is actually not going to appear on camera. Do you think that's just, you need to sprint up this Maybe. track and but, these shoes? But I also sort of, it doesn't look like they're branded trainers. Yeah, so well, someone the found the trainers on Twitter yeah. and they're 205 quid. So I imagine for that so, money, they're okay, probably going to come up on the camera. But also, Shooter Gat was been on the Netflix payroll for the last half yeah. years for Sex Ed, yeah. which is actually something I wanted to talk about. So What, sex education? Yeah. Well, this is how it works, Billy. When uh, a man and a woman love each other very much. That's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. Um, so apparently they actually wrapped later than expected. Yes. Which is why Shooty hasn't been seen on set until, as a recording, yeah. sort of the last week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, because today was, I mean, obviously at the time of you guys hearing this, mm. this is a week in the past. Yeah, but two weeks. Is it? Well, fuck me. I'm, Shit. I don't know what is happening, Spatial, where I am. I mean, by the time that we have, have released this. Have you come this, dressed as Shooty tonight? I was wondering when you were going to I just realised, I was like, you've got your check trousers, you've got your orange shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, Shave your hair off. <laughs> please do. I mean, I probably will before I go to New Zealand. Really? Just, yeah. Well, you know too much money getting a haircut out there that's true uh but i was thinking so obviously they released the photo of him in the full, sort of full check deal yeah but the overrunning of the shoots for sex ed mm. seems to have been something that sort of came out of the blue it was sort of an 11th hour extension right uh from what i've seen so i wonder you know usually when stuff like a costume is released or a monster is announced it's because it's going to appear in public at some point yes. and they want to get the drop on the papers getting shit photos of it so they want to put out a nice publicity image. Yeah. I wonder, because this is not a massive departure but significantly different enough to be basically a completely different costume for yeah. that Doctor and this is the first time we've seen him in full costume on location. Yeah. Were we supposed to see Shooty on location earlier oh. in the photo that they released? Oh, I see. And, and they've... Things have been mixed around, around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, maybe that 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 makes sense. And maybe they no. just thought, well, look, the press are going to run with it, of so course. let's let's let them do their thing. Yeah. Um, and they have. I mean, there were so many articles this afternoon about yeah. Shooty's costume. I have to say, the first time I saw it was when you sent me photos. Yeah. That was my first glimpse of it. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it was I walked through the front door and Annie shouted down the stairs, look. "Oh, they've got a new costume <laughs> for Talk Through." So like, what? I mean, he looks. He's a clothes horse. He'll yeah. look amazing in anything. This is it. And this is the thing. Because I, I showed Jonathan and he was like, yeah, it's fine. And he said, the trouble is, he said, he said, it's not very doctory. He said, he just looks too cool and too good. 
you know, I was like, but we've, yeah. We have, we've never had a doctor like that before, though. No. Like, Tennant is probably the closest we've had. And Capaldi, but that sort of, you know, it's a £500 shirt because it's ripped in specific yeah. places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had that sort of high fashion yeah. thing before. Um, but I think, you know, you can't cast someone who looks like Shooty Gatwa. Yeah. Well, and dresses like Shooty Gatwa. And anything, you, if you put him in a bed sheet, he'd look great. Yeah. And just think, he's going to look great in anything. Well, this is so, the thing. Well, that's what I said. I said, I think he's just too good looking to be Doctor Who. <laughs> that is, that is, well, we've already reached our conclusion of Series 14. Unfortunately, Shooty, you're too good looking to be Doctor Who. There's a compliment more than anything. I think it's, for me, it's the first time it's like, oh, the Doctor's fucking ripped, bro. Like, yeah. You can I mean, see like, his peck. Yeah. Between, like, in his shirt. Yeah. Which is sort of, you know... And he's been looking. Yeah. Been really looking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's mildly alluring. But also, like, you know, I haven't quite fallen in love with him the same way. It's like, oh, no, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who. Do I fancy Sylvester McCoy by extension now? Yeah. But you look at Shooty Gatwa and you're like, you know, you turn a guy's head, Shooty, is what you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, he looks great. It's a cool costume. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like the, I like the 70s vibe. Yeah, that it, that it gives. Yeah, um, like because it's beige and orange and yeah, <laughs> you know, and you know, you mentioned Shaft and yeah, you know, there are periods of nineteen seventies cinema mm -hmm. that you know it reflects back. Sort of look. Yeah, harks yeah. back to. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I mean, it's a I, very I, diplomatic I, way of saying that it. was a very diplomatic way of saying it. Um, yeah. but I did text you "Live mm. and Let Doctor Who" mm. because that was my first thought. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally see that. I mean, I've, yeah, he looks great. Um, and it's nice. Actually, it seems like quite a strong departure or strong variation in costume. Oh, yeah. Like, in it, terms of what has been shot already and what that was for, yeah. that's the first costume I guess we see him in as the Doctor in the Christmas special. Yeah. And then he reverts to the Czech thing in series 14. Well, or... I don't know, because people have said that he was on set at the church mm. with his other costume on as well. With the one that was in the publicity yeah, photo. Yeah, so because they've been putting them all in those big coats, mm. not only to keep them warm, but I guess to hide, hide the stuff. costume, yeah. Um, but someone saw his boots and his sure. the cuffs of his checkered trousers. Nutcases, um, yeah. 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 And the fact that his like, first, as, we, as, as, long as, as far as we know, yeah. day on location was shooting in a pub in Cardiff. Yeah. And then going to prison in Cardiff as well. Yeah. It's like, fucking welcome to Doctor Who. <laughs> You're going to be shooting in Cardiff a lot. But actually also shooting in Bristol a lot. I know. It's, it's good. It seems... You chose the wrong time to fuck off to the other side of the world. I, I, the, it was like, like they were waiting. It was like, oh, he's buggering off. We'll, we'll, we'll film in let's, Bristol. Let's shoot a shit ton of Bristol. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we know, you know, we're, we're, we're not, you know going to be ignorant to this situation we know that in some instances it is cheaper to shoot in bristol than it is in cardiff yeah so we just look forward to having you here more mm. doctor who yeah um if you could do it sort of between now and the, four, <laughs> the 14th of march that'd be brilliant like yeah. shoot everything you can here that'd be great um but, i'll just be when you're on your wherever you are on your travels yeah. i'll just send you a whatsapp be like oh look who it is three o'clock in the morning Stella goes what's that he said stella Look, it's the suspension bridge and Shooty Gat was there. Yeah. This is important. Doctor Who's down um, <clears throat> Turbo Island. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. No, they turned no, back to over there's, it. There's no they? burning sofas no. there anymore. Google Turbo Island, Rodders. Yeah. Be interested to see what well, your perspective I, on I Turbo Island is. I heard that they tarmacked over it to stop that sort of, those shenanigans from happening. That's and then, and then, like the next day, there was like a sofa good. on fire there. Good, so. good. And you can't do that kind of thing in Stokes Croft. No, because as soon as we're getting into Bristolian we really sort of are. politics, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't do that shit in Stokes Croft yeah. because it's going to get torn down, set fire to. Yeah, a spliff's going to get smoked on it. Yeah. And it was like the only bit of green yeah. in that area. It's that, a shame, really. I mean, I know it was like a muddy patch. With green. Some... It's it's yeah. it's burnt orange it's, and yellow and black. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know why they thought, oh, people are going to suddenly see that tarmac no. area and go, oh, I can't burn this. No. Desolate, Chester drawers. <laughs> desolate wasteland. Shit's getting set fire to. It's almost like being on the planet surface of Frontios. Oh, what Bang. a segue. What a segue. I need to work in radio. You do, yeah. We also need to hope that there is no news between now and this episode going out. I have to edit in extra bits 
We'll cut that in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Frontios. Frontios. Exciting stuff. Now, obviously, I am not a hardcore fan of the beige celery-wearing era of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, thankfully, there's nobody in this room who can throw not, things at not, me from not behind tonight. Well, Not tonight, so, you know, we're good. Um, so I went into this with low expectations. Yeah. But also sort of realising that I hadn't watched Frontius in... Well, since it came out on DVD. Right. And do you know what? It's... Pretty fucking good. It's a good story. It is good fun. It's a good story. But again, it's, you know, as we always come back to with our review of deaths, it seems to be a problem with Doctor Who. If you don't have a great villain at the centre of it. Yeah. And they, it's, it's a fine villain. But if you don't have a villain that ticks all the boxes at the centre of it, it's always yeah. going to be sort of a... A bit shite. Yeah, shite, I, I yeah. think I think this is one of those occasions where the story is let down by the production and yeah, yeah, and the direction. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think every aspect of the production of this, from the direction to the lighting to the set dressing, yeah, is perfect. Oh, really? Okay. Except for the tractators. Interesting. I mean, yeah, the tractators are a problem. The tractators look amazing when, when, they, they, don't when they don't move. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So, written by Christopher H. Bidme uh, and directed by Ron Jones. Yeah. Mm. But this is what I mean about the directing. Because Ron Jones is just like a safe pair of hands, isn't he? Is he as safe a pair of hands as Peter Moffat? Is that sort of... I mean, I think even Peter Moffat might have... Oh, sorry, I meant Wandering Hands when I said Peter Moffat. No. <laughs> Broadcast from the 26th of January to the 3rd of February, 1984. Doctor Who is in its twice-weekly format by this point. Wow, yeah. So two episodes a week, and then you have to wait. What is it? Mon is it Monday, Tuesday, and then the next Monday, Tuesday? Something like that. It's so weird. God, dear. No wonder this era of Doctor Who's rubbish. I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, UK number ones. 1984? Yeah. Wow, okay. So Jonathan was a bab. Yeah. Uh, not that that's going to help me. Uh, Matt, if I said... Duran Duran, I don't know. number one last week, <laughs> oh, you'd no. have about as much of a clue. Um, <laughs> so uh, people who... Uh, there's, there's a On Spotify, there's a uh, Rod of the Pops playlist. So every number one oh, for every episode that we review. Yeah, and it's yeah. constantly updated with every episode that we do wow. that goes out the number one for that story goes in. You have a choice of either Pipes of Peace by Paul McCartney, which is a good song. I don't know. But for the... I won't... Well, maybe I'll sing it in a bit. Uh, for the majority <laughs> of the story, it was Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax. Don't, don't do, do it. it. When, when you want you... to come. <laughs> well, it was... But it's fucking... Like, it's one of those... Songs where it's like, come on, no wonder you got banned by the BBC. It's not uh, quite Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, you know. No. Yeah. Then that got banned and it's not even about LSD. On the uh, planet Frontios in the far future, beyond the influence of even the Time Lords, the Earth is hungry. What about the films? The films? What's the, the nothing, box office? Nothing came out at the start of that year. Oh, okay. And actually, I think this is the third story in this series that we've actually reviewed. So, The Twin Dilemma... Oh, God, yeah, that's this season. Um, this. Yeah. And there's another one that Warriors we've done. Warriors of the Deep. Warriors of the Deep. So we've done three yeah. series tw season 21 stories. Yeah. So. And this is the best one so far. We haven't even done the review yet. No, it is. This is the best one it so is. far. Yeah. Um, is, what else is on, in that season? I don't think anything the else Awakening. is The Awakening. Yeah, but that's like... I don't know what it's about. That's going to be like I, a 15 minute review from us. Yeah, every time I watch it, I'm always like, what, what is this going on in this? It's, well, I'll add it to the list and we'll do it <laughs> when we're doing remote who? Remote Rod. Um, what else is in that series? Planet of Fire. Planet of Fire. I'm looking forward to doing that. Maybe we should do Planet of Fire Special Edition. Oh my God. Hey, Brendan. Oh dear. There's a blast from Vomit the past there. Vomit no, inducing so content. Um, um, uh, did you did you notice that Chris Chibnall may have been watching this story? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. Earth is hungry. Yeah. Just delete a couple of words there, and yeah. you've got a very <laughs> mediocre series five script. Um, uh, yes. So the, a bit of backstory to this: Eric Saywood commissioned uh, Christopher H. Bidme to write this story on the proviso that it featured a monster, which of course he hadn't really 
done no, before. No. Um, and uh, it's interesting when you see Bidme talking about Doctor Who because, you know, he's a, I mean, we've said it before, but he's a nerd. Yeah. And he seems obsessed with the TARDIS. Castrovalva, Logopolis, and this, and this is a, all yeah. sort of deal with, you know, dimensions yeah, and yeah. the TARDIS and the space yeah. used within it, which is which is really neat. Mm. Um, I think, sort of watching this, there are a couple of elements, like the the, the, the TARDIS being one of them, yeah. that sort of doesn't feel like it. It's it's sort of planted as an idea, but it doesn't reach the full. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, yeah, it, it's not rounded off and. and it, you know, we've got a beginning and an end, but there's no sort of middle to that narrative. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that. Obviously, the TARDIS gets blown up at some point. Um, JNT circulated that uh, the TARDIS would be removed from the series entirely in the press. Oh, uh, of course, yeah. Because he was very, very good at that sort of stuff. Same yeah. with Visitation and the Sonic yeah. Screwdriver. That was the thing I was going to bring up today. It was like, I wonder if people actually genuinely thought, oh shit, the TARDIS, is that it? Is the TARDIS gone? Are we, have we got a John Pertwee type situation going on here? But... <laughs> I wondered about this. Like, obviously, you know, canon is fluid and what is established in the series is very malleable. But, you know, it's only been, I say only, but it's like 12, 14 years since Caves of, uh, no, uh, Curse of Peladon, where we established that the TARDIS is indestructible. Less than that, surely. It's like 10, less than 10 years, isn't it, since? It's 12. It's got to be 10. No, it's got to be 12. Because it, this is 84 and Curse is... 72? Oh, yes. 71, 72. Oh, yeah, sorry. I can't do maths. Um, God, I'm worse at maths than you, and I've managed to... Yeah, no, my, math, good my maths myself, is appalling. Maybe. Yeah, well done. Maybe Thatcher's actually improved <laughs> your mathematical skill. I'll become a bit of an addict. It didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, obviously the TARDIS is indestructible. Oh, no, wait, it isn't. So what, what causes a... Well, obviously, it's the meteorite storm that the yeah. TARDIS explodes in. But what causes it to get fragmented underground? I don't know. Gravitational dragging of the Gravis. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be something like that. But it's like, it's not expanded on in the no, text. So you're you sort know. of like, okay, it looks cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't quite... It's always confused me. I've yeah. never... Every time I come back to it, I always think... Mm. Oh. Why has it actually done that? Yeah. Ah, well. Because it needed to happen for uh, the end of the story. Uh, and Chris Bidmead likes that sort of stuff. And and that is what they teach you in the script writing class 101. <laughs> is like, if it needs to happen, just make it happen. Don't yeah. let anybody ask you any questions about it. Uh, Peter Davison has stated this is a favourite story of his. Really? Um, he, well, do we, we'll get onto that later. I, I think I'm going to agree with what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, and that it got a hold of how I saw the part of the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Strickson thought the story was clever and frightening. Uh, and finally gave him a chance <laughs> to do some real acting. Yeah, yeah. And thank God Mark Strickson is a really good actor. Yeah. Because for God's sake, if, if this was an Adric story... Oh my God, well, you, it just wouldn't happen. Tractators! That's too good. That was too good for Matthew Waterhouse. How would he have done it? Um, I don't know. Track, tractators? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, so let, let, let's talk about this. So what, what, what were your feelings going into this? It's a sort of a... It's a in my head, it's a very vanilla, middle-of-the-road sort of a Doctor Who. If you were to show somebody what is the most average Doctor Who story you can think of, I'd be like, something like Frontios or something. Yeah, like. I mean, it's one of those which is like, it's fine. Mm. You know, there's... Mm. I wouldn't go out of my way to put it on, necessarily. But I was, I was, you know, when it came up as should we review it, mm. I was quite keen to do it because I thought, well, it's not really one that people talk, talk about. Talk about all that much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously that season is... This story sort of gets lost between mm. Warriors of the Deep having the bloody Mirka in it, Twin Dilemma being absolutely appalling. Resurrection is straight after this. Resurrection being a total bloodbath. Mm. Kings of Androzani being amazing. Yeah. And then Planet Fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the Awakening. Um, so, yeah, I, w I was quite keen to do this. And I, like, when I was a kid, when we had the video, because you know, it was mm. Awakening and Frontiers. Mm. Can get on with either of them. Ne neither of them really appealed. I mean, that obviously, at that time, you wouldn't be so callous as to put the Awakening out as a single video release. Yeah. But it doesn't really fare well for the other story you pair it with when it's like this one and this one together. Yeah. It's like you know they're both as bad as each other. Yeah. Um and 
that's really that, that it's disappointing really because i think that the thing that this story really has going for it that to a degree the awakening has as well is the production design mm. is so good yeah i think that the sets are brilliant right I think the lighting is fantastic. See, no, I can't agree with the lighting. Really? Because they talk about how dark it is and you can see Oh, everything. I mean, they're that. But they've got their phosphorescence. That's cool. I like things. the phosphorescence thing. Yeah. But you just think, turn the lights down a bit yeah. because they're going on about how dark it is. It's like, you can see clear as anything. And we, then you don't have to see the tractators as much. And you, yeah. Which would, would probably be better. Would, it would hide a multitude of sins. It's those fucking hands. I know, I know. We'll get to the fucking hands. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I thought, yeah, generally pretty pretty good looking. My favourite set yeah. was that, which they only really use, I think it's in the first part, is the top of the colony ship. Right. Because I thought, you never really see elevation like that in Doctor Who. No. And you hear the sort of wind... And, yeah, you know, it's the it's all white, and they're sort of like see, struggling over the gantry and again, stuff like that. Again, that that's my issue with this again. Really? Because I think the white... It, I said, it's like, where is that? You know, why? Okay, fine. It just right. feels like they're out in a void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think, come on. They have... It's the exposure, the, the exposure rate of BBC cameras in the 1980s can't really capture the atmosphere of front of you. So oh, I it, see, it does right. blow it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Oh, I'm defending a fifth doctor. My God, story. What, what is, is going happening on? here? And what do we think of Paddy Kingsland's score? Oh, great. Yeah. Paddy Kingsland's fantastic. I love his music. A bit weird that the harpsichord only sort of appears in the last 25 minutes of the story. Yeah. Because it's quite a nice sound. Yeah, yeah. But it yeah. suddenly kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like, did you just get this plug in the last <laughs> day that you were doing the <laughs> oh, score? <quick. laughs> Um, but I like the little, like the wind, the little pipes, the pan pipes. Pan pipes, yeah. and there's a couple of sort of like bits of synth that kind of go. Yeah. And all that I love that sort of sound for Doctor Who. Yeah. Was that um, his last score? I think. Couldn't be bothered to look that up, but no. I imagine it probably was. <laughs> um, are we on a Federation planet as well, Matthew? I know that was my because I watched it with Annie, and I was like, they've, they've got Blake Seven helmets on. They literally <laughs> have Federation guard helmets on. Yeah. I wonder if. Alongside the other things that we want to maybe discuss yeah. on the review of oh. death. Rod Dwarf. Yeah, Rod Dwarf. Double O Rod. Double, we need to think of a better name for that. Yeah. Um, James, James Rod. Rod. <laughs> and um, Blake's Rod. <laughs> Blake's Rod. Those are, that's what you can look forward to in the future. We're going to do... We'll, we'll, we'll do Blake 7. Yeah. I think we have to do I mean, Blake 7, it is, really. It is so close to Doctor Who. It, it's like... Well, they're recording next, it next door, door yeah. literally, like, you know. Um, so, you know, for, for me always, this era, the barrier for entry is Peter Davison as the fifth doctor. Right. Or, or sort of more broadly, the fifth doctor himself. Yeah. Um, being that, I guess, he is so close visually to the age of the people that he's with, mm -hmm. he doesn't really carry much authority when yeah. he's speaking. You know, he looks like he can kind of lose an argument with himself yeah. or he looks like he apologises after sex sort of thing. <laughs> um, but the opening scene of this, I was like, where, where's he been? Yeah. All the hat stand stuff. That's all great. And then when he's in the infirmary with range. He's so good. And he's doing all this stuff and it's like, this is, this is him. He really takes command of the whole situation. And then you when know. he's down with the Gravis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's sort of, you know, he's doing a bit of the, you yeah, know, yeah. hey, look, I'm on your side. It's not quite sort of Colin yeah. Baker going... Well, I'm evil as well then. No, you know, no, yeah, sort of, yeah, He's yeah. being a bit more sort yeah, of and like all it. the the fun stuff with Tegan's a robot, and he's like, and oh, you know, the accent's wrong, and all this sort of stuff. Beautiful. Yeah, and that's Janet Fielding's legit reaction. I'm yeah. sure to <laughs> him saying that. Um, and then the bit, you know, in the end with you know with, with all the farewells and stuff, and the hat stand, and it's yeah. just where's this fifth Doctor in the rest of his era? Is there are there any other stories where I can see this fifth Doctor because he's Caves of Androzani? Uh Yeah, maybe a bit of Planet of Fire when he's on location in Lanzarote. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> I don't know. I can only think of the bit where he deposits the alien coins. Oh, the on coins. The, oh, yeah, true. And when he's baked Shoot. off his face in uh, Arkham Infinity and he's wandering around you know, <laughs> um, looking for a, a patisserie to have some pasties in. This is the thing. Like, I was, I mean... I had the benefit of watching it with a Fifth Doctor mega fan. And a Fifth Doctor stan. Yeah, and she was able to sort of say, I mean, she said she thinks Bidmead is 
the best writer for Davison. I would agree, like she actually. Said he gets his doctor. In fact, he gets all the characters in this mm. incredibly well because he's mm. Turlo, you know, is kind of a nothing character, really, no. up until this point where no. he gets so much to do. Yeah. Um, and fair play to Mark Strickson because he does a superb job with, with this stuff. Um, but she said, you know, it's, it's interesting to see his, the Fifth Doctor's character arc where, you know, he starts off and he's all unsure and, you know, he's getting used to having this body where he doesn't carry the same authority, like you were saying, because he looks so young. Um, you know, there's that bit in part two where he says, oh, we well, might as well just shoot me then. And they say, all right, we'll shoot him. Mm. And he's like, oh, shit. You know, and Should she said, said, if that, that had been Tom Baker and he just said it. Well, you might as well yeah. shoot me then. Yeah, and give him a grin. Uh, uh, He'd have been like, uh, okay, this guy's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then you sort of gradually, you see him finally get used to him his his new persona and like mm. okay this is who i am this is my doctor and then he ends up having to lose that because he saves perry's life it's interesting though like from he's babysitting kids all the time that's the problem but and and that's why it's infuriating to watch his early seasons because yeah. like nobody gets on in the tardis and Tegan, of all people, to be travelling with Turlo, yeah. obviously has her suspicions about him from the start, and yeah. they turn out to be true, even yeah. though Turlo does, you know, sort of turn babyface in the end. But it's like, these, this, this TARDIS team are the two characters I would least like to see the Fifth Doctor with. Right, yeah. Like, you know, on paper. Yeah. Turlo, up until this point, the only thing his character has had going for him is that you, he's a bit duplicitous. You're not too sure whether or not he's yeah. a goodie or a baddie. And once that's gone, it's like, well, what do we do with this guy? But then he has moments where he does the pick a hand. Yeah. And he turns them over and there's coins in both. And you yeah. think, where's this guy come from? Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't feel unnatural for no. the Doctor's influence on him to have turned him into that kind of a person. Yeah. But then... With because he's, he's... It's nice because he's initially, you know, he's still scared rightly mm. so but like you said you know he's picked up the doctor's influence and then oh actually well you know i may be doing this reluctantly but at least i can sort of show you know, maybe my he shouldn't have right done it because he ends up basically foaming at the mouth yeah. for the rest of the story yeah out of fear of... i bet mark Strickland was like well how can i get a good performance out of i know i'll i'll eat some sherbet and uh <laughs> <start> foaming. <laughs> um yeah. Got some uh, dib dabs in the dressing room gone for some of those. Fucking dib dabs. Yeah. Get in there. <laughs> um, but then, you know, then you have Tegan in all of this as well. Yeah. And Janet Fielding is one story out from having to sort of let go yeah. of the character. And she's probably thinking, thank God I haven't got to wear this PVC skirt for much longer. Because I mean, God bless her heart. She's trying to get some sort of verticality in what she does in her performance. Thank God she's not with uh, Shooty Gatwa's doctor because no. those two together. Who knows what people would have thought, especially in Amsterdam. Oh my God. And also, and also the leather between the two of them. Yeah. They would have been setting each other off like bloody crazy. But, you know, she doesn't have a lot to do. Like, you know, obviously through a lot of early Peter Davison, it's like a three TARDIS crew yeah. and then it goes down to two again. But invariably somebody is left doing, you know, the busy work. Yeah. And in this story, it's definitely Tegan. And yeah. it's, it's impossible to sort of get away from the fact that somebody ends up shortchanged. Yeah in these situations. Um, so she sort of just bounces from one group of characters to another group yeah, of characters. Yeah, and there's like, I, one of the issues with the story is things happen either because they have to happen. Mm. And so therefore, the way in which they happen mm. doesn't seem particularly realistic. So like in Tegan's case, when, uh, I know we're getting slightly ahead of ourselves, but yeah, when yeah, Plantagenet yeah. is in the, in the bed and she's with the other guy, yeah. the, the soldiery bloke. Brazen. Uh, brazen, yeah. And she says... Um, brazen by name, brazen by nature. Yeah, very much so. And she says something like, oh, yeah, uh, especially with all those deaths <laughs> disclosed that he's got to deal with. What do you mean? Yeah, and you're like, in what reality would anyone say that? I know. It's like, it's the most clunky line. Yeah. Uh, and you can you can you can imagine that Janet was like, how how am I going to say this? Because she to be fair, she does it well. It is one of those things where, but but you're not sort of like Ugh, at her. Yeah, you're like 
I'm seeing through this as being an issue with the story. Exactly, yeah. Not with your character. No, no, no. But she's very good at, you know. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of other instances of sort of plot elements just yeah. suddenly sort of disappearing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few we can, we can get to, but two that may be quite minor, but for me really stuck out. So we meet the deputy for all of about a minute and a half who puts... Uh, range on trial yes for hoarding all this medical information yes and then as soon as brazen sort of barks a couple of things i think tegan's there as well and they go we've got to go and sort this out yeah and then they run out of the room and it's like oh i guess the trial's over then yes and it's like okay fine right well we'll forget about that um and then the doctor for most of the first two and a half parts of the story is under heavy suspicion from Plantagenet and, yeah. and, and Brazen. It's quite annoying, the amount of like, well, it's clearly you who are the enemy, Doctor. But <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. he's still wandering around <laughs> yeah. and doing all this shit. Yeah. So you're like, so, but where is the line drawn here? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like you either have him under heavy suspicion and yeah. you lock him up for two and a half parts, like a Pertwee story, and he can't do anything. Yeah. So, but you need a bit of agency. You need the Doctor to be doing stuff. But it's like, well, don't have him under such heavy... Yeah. You know, scrutiny by these people if you're going to do that. Yeah. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The other one, which I think is quite clear. So obviously the TARDIS gets blown up. Yeah. Uh, and in the early goings before the TARDIS even lands on Frontios, the Doctor's saying, we can't land there because we're going to have some kind of influence over the development of this colony. Yeah. And they're in the very early stages of getting shit together. This is going to be a problem. Yeah. He says that in part one. And then in part four, says, don't tell anybody we were here. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets in the TARDIS and says, we shouldn't have really done that. But anyway, on to next week where the Daleks will turn up. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the same with the TARDIS. Yeah. The TARDIS gets blown up. It's a great cliffhanger to part one. Mm-hmm. And then... In part four, we encounter the destroyed TARDIS underground. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, the TARDIS is gone. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's quite a cool idea to think they're stranded at the end of the universe. Yeah. Beyond the reach of even the Time Lords. And the TARDIS is gone. But it's never brought up after part one's cliffhanger. I think it needed to be... I think, because, I mean, the visual of the TARDIS wars with all the rocks around it and stuff is so good. Amazing. I think that needed to have been brought in to, as soon as they went into the tunnels yeah. that oh you know the tar- there's a column here yeah, yeah there's yeah. a door there uh, yeah you know and like oh shit you know or well, frontius is the tardis or yeah you know that could have been the story you know yeah <clears throat> um and if we remove the tardis that's it the colony won't survive mm. what what do we do there's like a there's the, a, the dimensions of the tardis are holding the planet together yeah. because they're burrowing around and yeah, it's yeah, like the yeah. gravitational pull of the tardis yeah. is keeping it and all if together we pull the tardis out that's it they're, yeah they're doomed yeah, yeah. fuck oh. that's so much better is this review that story <laughs> so and, and then the other one of you know things that just seem to happen because why the fuck not is when brazen falls into the machine so shittily. Well, it, it's, well it, because it, it, Turlo, it's Turlo's fault. He's been fine yeah. for like the last 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden he comes over like a zombie again. I want to sit in that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then Brazen like pushes him out of the way, but pushes his ass into it. Oh, stop. I'm, oh, this is really comfortable, but oh. stop. And then, but, I, but, you know, when you first see the, uh, yeah. the mining machine, you think, shit. That's grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would have been nice, you know, like, I, I think from having read uh, the TARDIS wiki page, which is obviously, <laughs> you know, the, the standard repository of all knowledge and wisdom, um, they were going to be a bit more human remains, body parts right. with it. Yeah. Um, which, I, which I love the TARDIS wiki page, which was eventually picked up in the story uh, Girl in the Fireplace. Like, there's a oh. dusty file hanging around the production <laughs> office where someone went... That's a good idea from 1984. Why don't we do that again, Stephen? <laughs> um, yeah, but it's like, it, it's, a, it's a great visual, that cliffhanger. Yeah. It's that, that's the best cliffhanger of the whole story. Like, 
the TARDIS being destroyed is sort of like, yeah, but it isn't, is it? Because yeah. we're, you know, we've still got three episodes left to go in this yeah. series or whatever. It's or a cheat episodes. of a cliffhanger. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a cool visual when you first see it, but yeah. then, then you figure out what the tractator's plan is. Yeah. And firstly, you think it's been done. Yeah. <laughs> and secondly, you think there's not enough sort of tangible physicality to what the tractators do to make me think, yeah, this is a real plan of, yeah. you know, that can be actioned. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about the tractators then. I mean, like we said, when they're still, they look great. They're, they're, they're a cool design, but the arms mm. flapping about is mm. just ridiculous. Mm. The shuffling around is also appalling. This is where the directing comes in. Because if I was a director, I'd be like, we're not seeing their feet. That's a good point, yeah. They should have been like, right, you know. Let's not see the studio floor. Yeah. But they've painted it so nicely with those swirls where Tegan gets sort of captured. Oh, yeah, well, but... do one wide shot, but just say, don't, none of you bastards <laughs> but move. put loads of dry ice around. Yeah, yeah. do something. Yeah. But it's just, as soon as you see him shuffling, you're like, mm. that is a man in a suit. Every day I'm shuffling. <laughs> yeah, and it, oh, I don't know. I, and then the mouth, just, I, it doesn't convince me. When it's, when it, when it's, mm. a, ah, hello, doctor. Mm. Oh, Tardis, I want your Tardis. Because I come on, please. You can see Peter Davison there thinking, thank fuck I'm going at the end of this. <laughs> How many more weeks have I got? Yeah. Shit. Say, so, oh. At least I've got someone to act against next week. Who is it? Daleks. Oh, oh God. Bloody hell. It's Terry booked. Oh, fine. All right. Yeah. Well, we can do a couple of nice scenes with him. Um, and they don't have the best start, the Tractators. No. Because on three separate occasions in part three, the Doctor manages to get away from them. Yeah. And it's only when they use their Tractator beam yeah. <laughs> um, that they're actually able to sort of like snare him. But it's like that bowling ball bit. Yeah. And, and then when Tegan throws the phosphorus lamp. Yeah. And they've not modulated their voices. Yeah, and they're just... And you just hear people in the costumes <laughs> going, ow! Oh, ow! Um, apparently, so the, the ventilation was so bad, in they had to seats. lift their tops up <laughs> and they had to blast air into their outfits, <laughs> which is just fucking dreadful. Um, uh, Gravis? The Gravis? What's that about? Who knows? Is it... He's like his own separate entity. Is Tractator his surname? <laughs> <laughs> That's Hello. a great bit of fake ID if somebody wants that. Nobody would question that. They go, oh, "Where are you from, Romania?" That'll do. Fine. Oh dear. Yeah, that that is weird. Yeah, the whole idea that he that without him they are just harmless animals that mm. burrow around. Mm. Okay, then why why, but, why is he a thing? So, but the, the the fifth Doctor makes a big point in part three of going. They're obviously hyper-intelligent. Like, <laughs> we don't see any of that. You apart can't... from the fact they've built this machine. Like, yeah. fuck yeah, their hands like that yeah, can put together this, this mining machine. Oh, maybe they just telekinetically... But together. then why do they look like woodlice? <sighs> why can't they be like gestalt entities or like consciousnesses floating around? And well, like, why do they have to look like woodlice? Because woodlice burrow around in tunnels under the ground. Because they could have been moles. They could have been mole men. Woodlice infested Christopher Bidmean's house. Oh, is that what it was? And he went, I think that they'd make we, a good... We actually have a bit of a woodlice infestation at Do the moment. You? Yeah, they keep coming around oh. all over the place. I think the tractators are after us. Shall we add Knock Knock to the uh, oh. the list of episodes <laughs> to look at? It's the only the second ever woodlice uh, <laughs> influenced episode of Doctor Who that's been made before. Um, There's also that fantastic bit when... Mm. I mean, the bit with the boulder... And he does the house. When he says bowling, yeah, yeah. I mean, that looks pathetic because yeah. it just rolls along and it taps him, and he goes. Argh. Because you're thinking, like, okay, like this is the third time these props have been seen on screen. Please yeah. don't damage them. Yeah, you know. And then they do it with the guy, with the, when the, the guys come in, and then they start bashing one with the sticks. But you can hear them. You can hear them clunking. But it's so gentle. It's like, yeah. oh. Don't hit them too hard because yeah. that will fall to pieces. And you can see the sort of the seams in between the like the yeah. ribs of the back of yeah. their thing. Bless them. Um, they yeah. look good now. 
And they, they brought them back now they and look did some amazing. CGI. I mean, hell, that thing that we're, that giant slug is Tractator-esque. It's that very, it, that, that looks like the kind of, that's like, Tractators and, um, you know, the, the, the monsters from that era of 80s Doctor Who. Yeah. That Ricky Gervais took the piss out of in Yeah, that's it. That one that's popping up in Shooty's era. Yeah. Is perfect sort of levels. You could of... just slip that in between the Tractators and the Gastropods. Yeah. But then, so obviously... What other bloody garden animals were they looking at that season? Oh, we've got woodlice, we've got... Uh, yeah, we've done slugs. grasshoppers yet. I haven't done grasshoppers. What else haven't they done? They've done giant spiders. Then ants, done ants and bloody ants and butterflies and Let's not I mean give... woodli woodlice in that as well the venom grubs the venom grubs they're woodlice Doctor Who loves their woodlice all right well I won't add the web planet to our list because oh, life's too I short I cannot watch that again this year I think I would slip into a coma and die um, the hungry earth yeah is obviously a yeah a thing we come back to in the story. Um, there's some great lines like the earth is hungry yeah or there's there's one oh, this, about the appetite I wrote noted that down the, I wrote it down as well I can't remember uh, where I've it is I've got it here Frontius buries its own dead that's, that's a really lush. good one that's the one I wrote um, down oh what's the one about the appetite they are the appetite beneath the ground what a great line uh, nicely done Chris yeah there's some good lines in this one or Eric Saywood I'm not sure who was responsible Whoever, for yeah. those um, not that Eric Saywood was a particularly great script editor anyway but the the effect of them being dragged into the earth, yeah, like it looks great up to a point. Yeah, it's when and they then have to do the. They've obviously gone. Okay, well, we can't actually bury them in the studio because we haven't got the time or the money. Or it's so, not deep enough. Or yeah, so we'll just stick this like, noise effect it, over the top, so yeah. it looks like soil, and then we'll roll back and mix, and then they'll be dissipated. Yeah, disappear. but then to think it's only you know, another two years or a year and a half. Oh, and they got Colin Baker being, I was going to say, sucked off, sucked and under the ground. Sucked under the ground. And it looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you but know. on location, this is the thing. But that's it, you it's know, on in location. the confines of the studio. It, it, this annoyed, what annoyed me with this is that, obviously it's a studio-bound story, mm. and you think the outside of the colony would have been perfect for a Doctor Who quarry. True. This is like one of the one times where D do it in a yeah. quarry. I, it just struck me there's no location sequence yeah. in the story. It would have, you know, it's literally set in a quarry. If I can yeah. shoot it in a quarry. Literally. And it, and it makes it feel very small. Mm. Like that's, that's good. It gives it a base under siege feel. It does, but then you have some like unrealistic stuff where like that guy, when he says, oh, well, that's it. I've had enough. I'm off. I'm going to become a retrograde and go off. And he like walks five paces. <laughs> and then, and then, then there's like men set upon him. That was like that was like West Side Story. It's like they all should have been clicking it in when they <laughs> walked so up to him. Like, and I mean their costumes are insane. You've yeah. like got the guy with the moustache with like the strict the Scottish bloke. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, come on, you know, this is this is like. The gay scene of the 80s. You just wandered out of heaven, bro. Yeah. Like, come on. It's like, what? Get in there. Ian Levine's got a good set on. Let's <laughs> get going. Um, oh, dear. So I think, you know, that lets it down a little bit. A, a wee bit, yeah. Go back to Peter Davison. Mm. Those specs. The brainy specs. He's good with those brainy specs on. He does. And I didn't realise those plimsolls are actually plimsolls. Yeah. They're actually kind of like boots. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... There's a few things with cliffhangers in this story. Yeah. So part one apparently overran. Right. Um, and so a lot of stuff was cut back. So that bloke who gets set upon by the West Side Story blokes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, co co Cockerel, I think it's Cockerel. Right. Is his name Cockerel? Um, Cockovan. Cockovan. Because he, he turns up at some point and he's like, well, I'm going to be the new Plantagenet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so apparently his story is actually set up in part one. Oh, really? But it was cut. Because I was thinking in this, like, he sort of pops up out of nowhere and becomes a sort of protagonist beyond yeah. the main sort of cast that are involved yeah. in the action. And then he comes in and saves Norna. Yeah. Um, uh, and then from... says, tie her up, shut her up. Yeah, I know. And it's like, were you a good, you were a baddie. Yeah. Um, but he has a whole thing apparently set up in part one that got cut. Right. And there's a, there's a few instances where I think maybe... Maybe it's Chris Bidmead, mm. having been script editor, is thinking, if this underruns or overruns, oh. I'll give you an option for one or two cliffhangers towards the end. Yeah. Because there's what there's, there's the, um, you know, the TARDIS has been destroyed. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, uh, the uh, TARDIS has been destroyed. <laughs> and then there's him getting held at gunpoint, which happens quite soon afterwards. Yeah. 
but it also has a bit of a close-up. Yeah. And then there's a close-up of Turlo, I think, in part two, towards the end of part two, that looks like it should have a... Yeah. ...at the end of it, into the yes, theme tune. Yes, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen. So yeah. I sort of wonder if it might have been Chris Bidney thinking, I know what this job's like. Here's if th- we underrun in the studio, yeah. you've got a couple of options here for cliffhangers. Yeah. I think the problem with that whole retrograde... Mm. Uh, or the rets or whatever they call them. Rets, that, yeah. That whole subplot, it doesn't feel like it's very thought out or it, it's just sort of happening rather than... Mm. Doesn't really, the stakes don't really feel like they're there. No. You know, he, that guy, I mean, he's not the best actor in the world who plays Cockrell or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for him to suddenly say, oh, well, I'll be the next Plantagenet because the ground didn't swallow him up and all this sort of stuff. You're like... Pfft. But really? I, qu- Him? I quite like that because it I kind like of, the idea. It's a bit like within the colony. Yeah. They've been there so long and have been so under the cosh of what's going to happen underneath them. Yeah. That they're like anybody that can survive that. Fucking fair play. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Plantagenet has this whole thing of they need to see that I'm alive. Yeah. In order to believe that we can get out of this. So they've yeah. been in this dire situation long enough mm. that somebody surviving being dragged into the earth is enough for them to go, you know, oh, he's the man. you are now our leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it doesn't help that obviously it was cut in part one. Yeah. At the time. It may, maybe that would have been a whole other story thread that actually we would have been thinking, that's really nicely tied up. This yeah. guy that appears in part one eventually becomes the hero yeah. towards the end of the story. And then there's like, oh, the looting's already started. And mm. they're like, oh, has it? Like, yeah, you don't get an impression of yeah, that. Yeah, there's no, there's no, the stakes just don't feel there for those bits. And I imagine it's just Ron Jones is like, I am up against it, you know. Yeah. I've got these fucking monsters coming in in the next couple of parts that should mm. look absolutely appalling to move around and I've got to try and do something with absolutely. them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I can't hold that against them. I, Talking about shit stuff as well. Yeah, go on. The battery. The battery that the they collect battery. in part one. God, that looks shit. It's on a little box with sequins on it, for Christ's sake. Yeah, the box <laughs> itself isn't great. <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it does make you, it feels like Fallout. It do, yeah, there is an element of that. I, and, and like, okay, we have to go to to A to get back to B to yeah. then plug in the thing and then the thing will work and then we open this next part of the adventure and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't mind that so much. Yeah. It, more, more to me in, in that acid battery story is that we never go back on the roof yeah. of the spaceship. I love that roof. I love it. <laughs> I just think like, but I can only think, you know, in terms of verticality, you know, uh, Silver Nemesis is about as high in the air as we ever <laughs> yeah. get after that point. Uh, oh yeah, after that point, I was going to say. Otherwise it's going to be... Valiant. The Valiant. What's the Valiant? Uh, from oh, series three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Moon. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, any story set in space. <laughs> technically. It's all relative to where we are. Ultimately. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, fair play to is Ron Jones. Thank yeah. God, I was going to say Ron Jeremy, isn't he? Like a porn, <laughs> He's a porn guy. <laughs> fair play to Ron Jones because this. <laughs> I just got visions of Ron Jeremy drinking Dr. Drew and thinking, fucking hell, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'll go to the States and do some porn. Has your sonic screwdriver got a third setting that we can turn it on? Um, yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> you were Irish then. <laughs> to be sure. Uh, I think that there's a, there's a certain aspect to this production, two aspects of this production we should probably also mention. Yeah. Uh, even at this late stage in the review. Uh, I was trying to figure out Brazen who's the yeah, barky, you know, He's in someone else, isn't he? I was trying to work out what he was from. And as of recording this, it's come out. But as of, re- as of this coming out, it's come out. But as of recording this, it hasn't come out yet. I did a documentary about the Carry On films. Yeah. And I was like, I fucking recognise that guy. Right. He's in like a dozen Carry On movies. Really? Playing various sort of lechy bit parts. Right, right. But the most famous bit of all the Carry Ons that he's involved in, uh, it might even be a bit that you know, um, Barbara Windsor comes up to an orderly in the car park of a hospital. Yeah. And he's eating his lunch. Yeah. And she goes, oh, what a lovely looking pair. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, goes, yeah. it's at the words right out of my mouth. That's him, is it? That is him. Wow. That is Peter Gilmore, who has a name like a sort of lechy carry on character. Does, There's really? something about that. Yeah. Um, and was also married to Una Stubbs. Really? For a wow. time as well. Cool. But had quite a long career. But I was like, oh, fuck it. I know you yeah. from somewhere. Um, wow, that's a real 
difference in character type there. Big, big change. Uh, is he's good in this? He is. Uh, do you know what? There are a couple of moments where I sort of... It, it's him and um, William Lucas who plays Range. Yeah. Who we'll come to in a minute, actually. There's a bit of interesting casting there. But he has a bit of a look on his face sometimes where you think, are you fully into this? Or are you yeah. thinking, fucking hell, this is Doctor Script shit yeah <laughs> i do i do serious dramas at the royal shakespeare company and i'm here with these in wood lice blokes going <laughs> <laughs> um but jeff rule 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 who plays plantagenet ah yes hello <laughs> later t- it's very very convincing later turns up in the sarah jane adventures yeah in he? the episode mona lisa's revenge yes he is yes i, I knew he was in one as the gallery one manager of the few that i've seen and uh, he's also in another doctor who spin-off he plays Mervyn Pinfield in he An Adventure is, in Space yes, and Time. Yeah. He's also a serial killer in Oyoaks as well. Talking of murder, uh, although William Lucas plays Range, who's the medical officer in this episode, yeah. Peter Arn was initially cast. Oh my God. Got the part, got a wardrobe test, and then was killed in his flat hours after, Jesus Christ. The, after he did it. Fucking hell. And they never found the killer. Really? Never found the motive. But apparently, according to Wikipedia... Uh, the he was in a relationship with a student at university who ended up floating dead down the Thames. What the fuck? I remember vaguely when I watched the Frontiers DVD extras. I remember something popping up and being like, "Shit, Bloody hell. what is going on here?" I think it's mentioned Crikey. in the documentary for Frontiers. Um, so he's murdered. His partner. Is maybe not at the time, but somebody he was in a relationship with prior, according to Wikipedia. Right. Let's put that in big yeah, yeah, yeah. block capital Gosh. letters. And, then, and the production design, designer took their own yeah, life. Yeah, took their own life. Bloody hell. The, the tractators don't look that bad. <laughs> um, and then Leslie Dunlop, who played Norna. Turns up in Happiness Patrol. As, Susie, as Susan, Susan Q. Susie Q, yeah. Susie Q. Susan Q. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something Q. Yeah. And now she's running the cafe in Emmerdale Farm. No, really? But she's been in Emmerdale Farm for donkey's years. Get in there. Get that paycheck. Well done. Emmerdale Farm. It's not been called Emmerdale Farm since the 90s, but... Since Fraser Hines crashed a light (laughs) aeroplane into the the farm. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know really if I have that much more to talk about with Frontios. I mean... So we have the thing about they're all overrunning a little bit. And um, yeah, obviously there's a few drop threads. The main one for me really, it really is. So we've got this thing set up. Chris Bidmead loves the TARDIS. Mm. And we set up this thing where the TARDIS might be destroyed. And then it's never really picked up on until the end. Yeah. And it's the same with the whole thread of we shouldn't be interfering. Yeah. And then he goes into the TARDIS and he's like, keep stum. Yeah. Don't tell anybody about this. Yeah. And the, the Time Lords are mentioned quite a lot. Yeah, it's really um, weird that. Yeah. That always sticks out to me. Like, mm. I don't know whether I like it or I don't. It's like, why are you making such a big deal about this? It does seem like, you know, if he's willing to be this sort of pally-pally with yeah. uh, the Gravis slash Tractator leader or whatever, which is really how they should have been. If this is the classic episode of Doctor Who, it should be Tractator leader, <laughs> not the Gravis. Yeah. Um, you know... If he's being this pally pally, he's giving a lot of information away. Yeah. That you think the Doctor, if they're trying to keep quiet about being at the end of the universe and not interfering with this colony at such an early stage in their development, yeah. shouldn't really be sort of saying all this stuff. So it's indicative of the fact that it's just a dropped plot thread. Yeah. That it's brought up at that level at all. Yeah. He also says about, you mentioned earlier how he talks about, oh, you know, these creatures must be greatly intelligent and all this sort of stuff. Yet the Gravis immediately falls for the idea that Tegan might be a robot. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> she looks very uh, realistic. But, and, but they're all going, they're, they're all able to detect if people are flesh and blood to use in the machine. Yeah. So what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> like, does, do Aussies not have a, a regular heartbeat? No. Like, well, what's the crack? They've just not encountered an Australian before. So. No, they are a different breeds. Yeah. Follow Brown Cardigan on Instagram and you'll see that Australians are made of different gravy they're yeah. nutcases <laughs> um, in all then what are we going to give Frontios I'd give it a seven I'd give it a seven yeah it's fine it's good. It's good. It's a good story I think yeah. as a story it's good it's got a few issues here and there but mm. otherwise it's, it's 
fine. It is perfectly acceptable. I did Doctor have Who a fair. moment when the Gravis is talking to Plantagenet in the thing and he's having a proper conversation. Mm. I was sat there thinking, that guy must have been thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I thought that for a number of the cast members. There's so many moments this. where you think, yeah. I'm talking to a giant woodlouse mm. that can barely stand up. When the Gravis falls over... And, and like there's clumps, a clump on the yeah, floor that and then is like on the console. Oh my oh, God. Oh, that's beautiful. That's my favourite part of the whole thing. Yeah. And there's a bit where uh, Turlo, when he's talking about the, the, the pulley system. Oh yeah. Uh, and he says to Norna, like, there must be a thing under here. We have to lift these plates up. Yeah. And then it cuts to her and she goes, mm, and wanders off. <laughs> like, so it's like, that is fucking, that is perfect. But, you know, it's good. It, it, I, I am glad that I've come out of this Fifth Doctor story with a better yeah. appreciation for yeah. that particular era yeah. because... And for Peter. And for Peter. I think yeah. Peter's great in it, actually. Yeah. Um, and But you can tell, maybe it's like a bit of a Peter Capaldi thing where you can sort of look at them and go, you're not feeling this. Yeah. You know, there's something... Or, or you know, Tom Baker's really bad for it. Yeah. Where you can think, I can tell that you're, this script is yeah. not infusing you. Yeah. Um, but you think, <sighs> with Peter Davison, it's just like, You've you've got so f uh, you haven't got so few great stories, but the great stories you do have yeah. are like exceptional Doctor Who. Yeah, Caves of Androzani, Earthshock, which yeah. is like joint favorite Doctor episode of mine of all time. Um, that's kind of it. Really. Resurrections is good. Resurrections fine. Kinder, Kinder's really good. Yeah, Resurrection would be interesting to do because. It's cool, mm. but I think it's cool if you're 12 years old. Yeah. And then as you get older, it just gets unrelentingly grim. Oh, I still and like you just it. think, it's a bit too much. Oh, I still like it. I watched it recently with the kids and mm. they enjoyed it. Yeah, but again, they're like... Yeah, and I, I it's, it's fun, isn't it? I, I, you know, if, if your whole point is to make uh, Tegan think, this is too much, I want to go home, it's great. It's, yeah. But... The fact that every main character dies in that story, and then you've got two more stories to go, and then Caves of Androzani is fucking depressing as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, shit. Like, you need you need wobbly tractators. And, you do need a dad and and bloody pantomime horse yeah. murka at the start of the season, because otherwise, holy shit. That season's got it all, hasn't it? It really does. It's got it's got the shit Doctor Who that you kind of love to to watch yeah and then it's got the kind of actually this is quite strong yeah stuff and then it's got the top of the line yeah top of most of the popper most doctor who yeah season 21 so that's an interesting one because i always look at season 21 and sort of go Ugh. yeah but, you know there's some really good stories in there i think if you point out the story in the middle of it where you don't really think that much of it yeah and then you actually go back and watch it and think that's actually quite good mm. It makes the whole of the season. Yeah, because feel otherwise a bit it feels too weighted at the end. Yeah, it's all the good stuff. Exactly. <laughs> you have twin dilemma. Yeah, God, yeah, and then you got twin dilemma, and then everything falls apart a little bit. But, yeah, you know, Papa bless. Anyway, that is Frontios. Mm. We've come out of this with a new appreciation for the Fifth Doctor's era. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I um, was surprised. I thought I was going to come in today. And you were going to be like, oh, I'm moaning about it, but no. No, I actually was thinking, do you know what? I'm looking forward to telling everybody that I have, I'm not a reformed man. No. But I thought this was pretty Yeah, pretty this good. served Peter Davison well. It did. Yeah. Next episode, Matthew. Yeah, what are we doing next time? This is exciting. Is it? Because when this episode comes out. Yeah. Which is the 16th of March. Oh, mum's birthday. Happy 70th birthday, mum. I'll be out of here. Right. But it'll also nearly be my your birthday. birthday. So we're going to talk about Pyramids of Mars. We're doing that next. Is we're it doing really? That next. Is that going to be the next one? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then what we're also going to talk about, we, we might double bank that as a recording. Right. So the episode after that will be, I think we're going to go back to an old review of death Ooh. concept that we did before. Right. It's not an episode review per se. Right. We're going to talk about a couple of different episodes. Right. We want you to tell us your most overrated episodes of Doctor Who of Ooh. all time. Because I think it's about time we maybe yeah. discuss that a bit more. We've, yeah, got, we've got a lot more stories, stories to, to sort about. of draw yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some Jodie Whittaker stories that I think people really hold up in very high esteem that yeah. other people are like. You know, there are lots of detractors of Rosa for very good reasons. 
Uh, I'm not one of them, but I'm very looking, very much looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about all of those. Yeah. Um, and then we're looking forward to hearing what you say about Pyramids of Mars as well. Ooh. So let us know down below and we'll get around to it. Sounds good. So yeah, Pyramids of Mars next. And then after that, we'll discuss your most um, sort of overrated episode. Sounds good. Yeah. See you all then. Bye bye. <laughs>